0: Please turn in your Bibles uh, to Hebrews chapter 11. And if you're using the Pew Bible, you can find this on page 1007. For time's sake, I'm uh, going to read uh, the first Verse and then uh, skip down to verse 7, which we're going to treat this morning. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for or the substance of things hoped for, the conviction or proof of things not seen. Then after talking about Abel in verse 4 and Enoch in verse 5. He's got this great statement without faith. Verse 6, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him by faith. Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear constructed an ark FOR THE SAVING OF HIS HOUSEHOLD. BY THIS, THAT IS BY HIS FAITH AND HIS BUILDING OF THE ARK, HE CONDEMNED THE WORLD AND BECAME AN HEIR OF THE RIGHTEOUSNESS THAT COMES BY FAITH. THUS THE READING OF GOD'S WORD. LET'S PRAY. O LORD, INCREASE OUR FAITH, BUILD OUR FAITH cause us, Lord, to live out our lives day by day in all of our relationships, in all of our responsibilities, in all of our opportunities to live by faith in our great and glorious God. Through Jesus Christ we pray, amen. Okay, kids, uh, three words this morning. Arch, okay, A-R-C-H. A word you probably don't use that much is fret, F-R-E-T, fret, and then crown, crown. Now, a few years ago, there was a tornado that hit my wife's hometown, Louisville, Mississippi, and her brother, Speedy, that's his real name, Speedy, it's not a nickname, um, he had heard a lot of warnings about tornadoes over the years. And by now, we really didn't take them that serious because they really hadn't had any tornadoes and sometimes the tornadoes were actually storms and all that kind of thing. However, my daughter who lives in Jacksboro, Texas was watching the weather somehow and saw that this tornado was headed straight and she saw the map for his house. So she calls Speedy, and then Speedy gets on TV and radio and finds out this is a reality. So he and his wife, Jamie, get in this tiny little bathroom they have, uh, and he hovers over Jamie. The tornado hits. Now, if you walk back into that bathroom a few days later, like we did It doesn't look like there's a tornado because everything in the bathroom is perfectly intact. You couldn't tell. But when they walked out, they were looking up at the sky. Most of the house was destroyed. All the pine trees were down. Their cat was gone. Somehow wandered back in a few days. (laughs) I'd love to know where that cat was (laughs) during that time or how he sounded when he was taken off. <clears throat> That's what I'd really want to see. <clears throat> we talked to another couple who was in that same tornado, and they had climbed under the stairwell, and it was built really well, you know, with iron uh, supports. Well, the tornado hit their house, it, just, it took the whole house away. They had wall to wall carpet it was taken away. And he said, we were like this lying flat on the uh, cement of the foundation, trying not to blow away ourselves. And it knocked his wife out. She was okay. But you can imagine if they hadn't been under the stair, <laughs> they would have gone with the rest of the house, certainly with the wall to wall carpet, right? <laughs> that would have been it. So THEY HEARD THE WARNING, IT'S SO GOOD TO HEAR A WARNING. WHEN YOU CAN PREPARE, SO GOOD TO HEAR A WARNING, AND YOU KNOW THE FUTURE. AND IF YOU BELIEVE IN THAT FUTURE, YOU BELIEVE, YOU CHANGE YOUR LIFESTYLE DUE TO THAT FUTURE. YOU MAY CHANGE YOUR PRIORITIES DUE TO THAT FUTURE. You now will be living in the light of the future. The future has entered your present to shape how you think and speak and do, do and live. That's what happened to Noah. You see, and here is first on your sheet there the warning of God. God's word is, as theologians would say, performative, right? It accomplishes what he intends it to accomplish. For instance, in creation, as we read, and the call to worship, he spoke, and it was. He spoke the world into existence. They will happen because God says also when he speaks of future events. Uh, it reminded me of the uh, big turrets on the old battleships. 16-inch uh, guns, 60 feet long, could fire 23 miles inland, and it whirled around on a turret. And so you think, if God's Word speaks the world into existence, what happens when it turns and speaks into the future? That future will be there exactly as he says it. Of course, he planned it, but sometimes his word comes to us and we get to hear. We we are let in on the future. It's declared to us and we know that the future he has planned will certainly come about. We realize this is our future. This is the world's future. God has spoken His word about the future then becomes our promise, our warning. And we have a choice to believe him or not. To act upon his promises and warnings or ignore them. And so, in Genesis 6, we read this, And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. And then he describes the materials and the dimensions and the details of the boat, uh, the box basically it's, just, it's a box for behold I myself will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven everything that is on the earth shall die but I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark you your sons your wife and your sons wives with you two of every kind of animal shall come into you You will gather food for them. Noah did all this, said. He did all that God commanded him. And in the description in the next chapter, three times, he did everything that God commanded him so that his response was that of faith. Faith that led to obedience, faith that led to action. This response of Noah, this faith saved him and his family. And this is the essence of faith as it's expressed in verse 1. The conviction or the proof of things not seen. Faith for Noah made it real enough to build an ark in the middle of nowhere, this box, in the face of ridicule and mockery, he believed in the reward that's spoken of in verse six that is, the safety of him and his family. His faith led to his salvation. So Calvin writes It's surely the, t- surely the task of faith to see in the Word of God. What is hidden and removed from our senses? So faith sees that. It's the proof of that which is unseen. And here it defines it as a future because it says as yet unseen. So we realize the the faith talked about in verse uh, 1 and the unseen is the future that is unseen. I mean it was likely years, probably decades away, and you're the only one who believes it, and your whole life has a completely different orientation than the whole world of people who are happily carrying on life of raucous living and basically regard you as a raving lunatic. And you just keep building the ark. And you just keep building the ark. Keep building the ark. Because you believe That it is coming. You believe this ark will save us. A warning of this fantastic, unimaginable, unprecedented flood, yet was unseen, never before seen. This can't happen because it's never happened. It doesn't happen, it's years away. I've only seen the trailer to this movie, but in the movie, Don't Look Up, two astronomers, played by Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence, discover that there's a comet headed straight for Earth, and it will obliterate the Earth, okay? That's what they found. And so, it shows them reporting it to the President, who's Meryl Streep, and her aide, uh, Jonah Hill, and they're basically laughed out of the office. as is the response of everybody around them. So that's the premise of the movie. But in the movie, they've seen the evidence. They know it's coming. Noah knew the flood was coming. Not because of any science, but because of the Word of God. He knew it. Just like you and I know there is gravity And we live in the light of gravity. When I was in the St. Louis Arch up there, you have to lean over and look out the window part and your whole body is committed, right? You can't just stand there and look. You have to commit your body to be leaning over and then your eyes are looking straight down at 600 feet or whatever it is, something like that. And I mean, everything in me was just screaming, you are not supposed to be here. You know, you're you're falling, you're you're in danger. I mean, I couldn't quit. Because not only do I believe in gravity, but my body believes in gravity. Feel it in your bones, right? You can feel it in your arms and legs even when you're close to an edge or you're looking over a fence thousands of feet below. You feel it. Noah knew the flood was coming in a sense. He could feel it in his bones. Perhaps he imagined the devastation, imagined the horror of it, and he built the ark. Because he believed in the reality of what no one had ever seen, because it was the Word of God. So Calvin says again it's the office of faith, that is the work, the office of faith, to hear God when He speaks and to accept without hesitation whatever comes from His sacred mouth. It's a good definition. In the Lord's Prayer, which we pray, we pray for that kind of response to God's word, that kind of, w- of obedience that has no hesitation. We pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're praying, May we obey like the angels obey, immediately and earnestly and eagerly and gladly and completely. May we obey like they obey. In fact, may we all on this earth obey you like that. On earth as it is in heaven, Martin Lord Jones writes, the angels are on the wing already and waiting at his bidding. And that's what we pray for the whole world. And it will be beautifully fulfilled in the new creation as we all do his will. All who are left on the earth So faith eagerly, we do his will by faith. We do his will because we believe in his goodness. Faith embraces his commands and warnings just like it embraces his promises. The same Christ who died for us who promises us good, commands His will for our good, and lovingly warns us of destruction for our good, like a, a local farmer out in a, a battered in a storm with bales of hay on the highway and a high beam light stopping cars so they won't go into a thousand foot ravine because the bridge is out. We trust everything our gracious God says. Because he's good. And everything he says is good and good for us. Everything. Why do I find that so hard to believe? But that's my sin. Our sin. But as it says, in reverent fear, in awe of God's word, he constructed the ark. In humble awe over the word and warning of God, in complete respect for the truth God spoke and this coming reality, he constructed the ark. In uh, Chariots of Fire, there's a great little scene where Eric Little is talking to... His sister, Jenny, and I don't do a Scottish accent, but I'll still embarrass myself and kind of do one. Uh, but he says to Jenny, because she doesn't want him to run. She wants him to go to China and be a missionary, right? And she's just so worried. She's just, and there's that word he uses, Jenny, don't fret yourself. And Jenny says, I do fret myself. Right? I just love that. We've used that a bunch. And I do fret myself. I worry, right? That's a way to say, I worry. I'm worried about you, Eric. Well, in Psalm 37, three times, and I like that way the ESV keeps the old form of the poetic language and says, fret not yourself. Three times. Fret not yourself. Why not? Because of the success and the ease of of evil in this world. Don't fret yourself because of that. And then he goes through the it's a long Psalm, Psalm thirty seven, and he tells you what's going to happen to the wicked. They'll fade like the grass. They'll wither like the green herb. The wicked will be no more. Look for him. He'll not be there. The Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees his day is coming. The arms of the wicked will be broken. They will perish. Like smoke, they will vanish away. They could not be found. They're altogether destroyed. Five times it says, they will be cut off. They will be cut off. They will be cut off. But you also don't fret because of what God promises you. Five times to counter they'll be cut off, he says, they will inherit the land. He will bring forth their justice as the noonday. He will give them all the desires of their heart. They will delight themselves in abundant peace. Their inheritance will last forever. They will dwell forever. They will be preserved forever. God will be their stronghold and refuge forever. Fret, not yourself. So... Noah's response. I think this Psalm 37, you could kind of place it over this incident of Noah and the promise of salvation and well-being for Noah and his family and the promise for destruction. But you see Psalm 37 applies it across the boards and the New Testament applies it across the boards. And we are in exactly the same situation. The coming wrath of God and the only salvation that is in Christ Jesus. So, God's warning, Noah's response, which begs the question, what is our response? But then, the condemnation it speaks of. You see, it wasn't in his words that he condemned, his life Was such a sharp contrast to the evil around them. The ark itself announced the coming judgment of God. It was a kind of prophecy of judgment, a guarantee of judgment. And the gospel is a similar, terrible double edge. Paul in 2 Corinthians 2. Speaks of Christ always leading us as we proclaim the gospel in triumphal procession. And he says, through us, he's spreading the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere, this beautiful fragrance of God's glory as we talk about Jesus. For we are the aroma of Christ. Here, here it has two sides. We are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing to one a fragrance from death to death to the other a fragrance from life to life. And well, Paul says, who is sufficient for these things? And he goes on to say, that's why we don't peddle the word. We're not fooling around. This isn't a joke. We realize as the gospel goes forth, there are many that will die because they will refuse it. Others will live because they receive it. Our ministry is life and death to this world. Who's sufficient for this? You see, Noah's faith in action was a kind of death to that generation. They were condemned because the truth was being proclaimed, but they wouldn't hear it. It was a message, could have been a message of life and salvation and hope, but they ridiculed it and repudiated it, and it became a message of judgment and death. And some, in hearing the message of Christ, laugh at the warning of future wrath. They trample on this warning. They dance on it. And they celebrate their freedom from the warning because it means nothing to them. And in so doing, guarantee their destruction. But this has always been a part of the gospel message. See, he's announcing to to Noah that he will be saved. But as he does that, he announces that there will be judgment. And that's in the final day. So, Paul can say to the Thessalonians, newly converted, You turn from God to God, from idols, to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. It's like, that's who Jesus is. He, he, he's the one that delivers us from the wrath to come, because it's coming. And we're waiting for him because he will deliver us. In fact, when Paul is preaching to the Athenians, first time they've ever heard any gospel message, and first he talks about creation and how God, they live and move and have their being in God. And when he finally gets to Christ, finally talks about Christ, here's what he said. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he's fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he's appointed and of this he's given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So you're telling me a man's been raised from the dead and that man who's raised from the dead will judge me on the last day. Uh, It's the first gospel point he made. (laughs) Uh, And and by the way, there's a man that was raised from the dead and he will judge you one day. And Paul was able to say in Romans 2, speaking of that final day, he says, on that day when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. But that was his regular gospel, right? He's able to say, according to the gospel, I proclaim. I proclaim it everywhere. And as I speak of the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ and the reign of Christ and hold forth his salvation, I also proclaim that this Christ will judge the secrets of people in that day. He said, that's part of the gospel. So the gospel is always promise and warning, promise and warning. And so Noah condemned the world. And when our message is refused, it's a condemnation on the world. Who is sufficient? Who is sufficient for these things? in the last phrase has two parts that he condemned the world but he also became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, I think we have to be careful about this phrase because it's not just that he became righteous by faith or was granted a righteous standing with God by faith though that may be included but it. it it says he became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. And in the very context, in the next few verses, it talks about Abraham's inheritance and that he and Jacob and Isaac are heirs of the promise, which uh, is going to, as he enlarges, it's the city that God has built. It's the heavenly country. Even when they didn't inherit it in this earth, uh, you know, in the land uh, as the patriarchs, they were looking to the heavenly country. So being an heir is pointing to final inheritance. Like in chapter 10 that we read where they had their property seized, but it says they accepted that with joy because they have a better possession in that which is to come. So an heir of righteousness parallels Uh, EARLIER IN CHAPTER 6, TWO TIMES HE CALLS US THE HEIRS OF THE PROMISE, HEIRS OF RIGHTEOUSNESS, HEIRS TO THE PROMISE. SO IT'S DESCRIBED THOUGH AS RIGHTEOUSNESS. NOW I GET SOME HELP IN UNDERSTANDING THIS FROM THE TEACHING ON THE CROWN IN THE NEW TESTAMENT. Uh, James 1.12 speaks of the crown of life that we will receive in that day. So it basically means we will be crowned with life that is eternal and indestructible. It's overflowing, abundant. We'll flourish in life in the final day. A crown of life. Or in uh, in 1 Peter 2 I mean, 1 Peter chapter 1. uh, No, no, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong paragraph. In 1 Peter 5 4, it's called the crown of glory. So we read in Philippians 3 that our bodies, our humble bodies, will be transformed into the likeness of Christ's glory. So. We'll have this honor and glory forever. We'll have an abundant life forever, a crown of life, a crown of glory. And then Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 8 says, in that day I will receive the crown of righteousness. Oh, crown of life, of glory, and of righteousness. Speaking about the same thing, but looking at it from different standpoints. And I think crown of righteousness is the closest parallel to this becoming an heir of righteousness, of the final righteousness that we will enter into. And see, righteousness in the Old Testament is associated with God's deliverance. It's associated with his steadfast love and His faithfulness. Psalm 31, 1, Lord, in You I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In Your righteousness, deliver me. We think of righteousness as almost like justice, but it has this element because He's always righteous toward His people and delivers His people. It has this association with His love and faithfulness and deliverance. He always does right. He always does the right thing, never the wrong thing. He will judge those who refuse him and hate him. He will deliver those who trust him and admire him. So, it's interesting in Psalm 40, verse 10, when he says, I've not hidden your righteousness. In fact, it's even translated deliverance, but it's righteous. I've not hidden your righteousness. And then when he says, I'm going to speak of it, he says, I've spoken of your faithfulness and salvation and steadfast love. That is your righteousness. See? See? That's how closely righteousness is associated with God's saving, loving, faithful deliverance of his people. And so what is being talked about, the crown of righteousness, along with the crown of glory and life, the crown of righteousness is the crown of deliverance, of salvation, the final crown of absolute rescue and relief of comfort and joy, being safe forever in our rock of refuge. And of course, it includes this life of righteousness. Can you imagine always doing the right thing to every person, every time? Can you imagine always being good, always? always thinking and speaking and acting in perfect love, we will inherit righteousness. We are heirs of righteousness through Jesus Christ. We are heirs of the crown of righteousness and the crown of glory and the crown of life. And so I would close with... final exhortation and this comes from 1 Thessalonians 5 and you can see how it parallels so many of our ideas and you can read this on your own but for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night while people are saying there's peace and security then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not Escape. But you're not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We're not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep (coughs) as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up as, just as you're doing. <clears throat> so, brothers and sisters, when it, when it says to continue in faith, it doesn't mean that you won't struggle, that you won't have terrible times of doubt, that you won't believe more at some times than other. But what this writer is talking about is just turning away from Christ, saying, I will have him no more. I will not follow him. I will not seek him out in his word. I will not be with his people week after week. And I want to address you, if you're visiting with us, I will announce to you, you you can buy it or not. You can believe it or not, like Noah. But wrath is coming upon this world as sure as the flood came on the earth. Then only those who were in the ark were saved, and all others were, as he describes it, blotted out. God has sent his own Son, God the Son, into the world. He took himself a body. He continues as God, but he became a human being. So he was and is God. And human, and as the God human, he did what no one else could have done. He bore punishment for sin as a fellow human being in the place of anyone who will trust in him. He bore it to the full extent as only God could have done. He rescues from our sin if we will trust him. Only those who trust in Jesus Christ will be delivered from the coming Wrath, and there is no other hope. And he offers an inheritance of glory, flourishing life, comfort, safety, and joy. And if you refuse him, you'll be cut off and in, in everlasting judgment. I'm just announcing what it says. And I pray that you will do what we have done. We've cried out helplessly for his rescue. Won't you do the same? Won't you say, Jesus, I believe in the coming wrath which will engulf the people of this world. You've built the only ark by coming to this earth and bearing the punishment we deserve. I trust you to be my ark of safety. I trust you that I may be forgiven. I trust you and put my hands, my my life into your hands. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you for our precious Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, you could have let us go our own way. We deserved it. We deserved your punishment, even as we read from the Heidelberg. And yet, for those who deserve that, you came to die in our place to bear our punishment so that we could have everlasting joy in your presence in the new heavens and new earth. Oh Lord, draw people to yourself and fortify all of us to believe your promises and always act upon your promise and your command and your warning for our own good and for your glory we pray, amen.